Let us pray together. Let me pray for us. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your love. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I've already, in the welcome this morning, introduced you to the idea of Gaudete Sunday. It is one of my favorite Sundays of the year, not only because we get to swath everything in pink, but that it speaks to us of joy. It reminds us that in the midst of the shortening days and the lengthening nights that are both real and physical, but also metaphorical, that there can be found in the world and in our lives profound, life-transforming, deeply meaningful joy. As I thought about this Sunday, I kept remembering a psalm that I just couldn't get out of my head. You see, in 587, before the Common Era, or what we used to call B.C., the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the people of Israel's temple and carried many Judean elites the smartest and the strongest, away from their homeland and into captivity in Babylon. Out of that tragedy comes the song of the psalmist in Psalm 137. The psalmist sang, Alongside Babylon's streams, there we sat down, crying because we remembered Zion. We hung our lyres up in the trees there because that's where our captors asked us to sing. Our tormentors requested songs of joy. Sing us a song about Zion, they said. But how could we possibly sing the Lord's song on foreign soil? You may wonder why that psalm stuck in my head and in my heart. No doubt memory is a major part of this psalm and a major theological theme running throughout it. And This part of the psalm examines the complex and painful process of remembering. Remembering creates different responses, right? Anguish, accountability, anger. Memory brings to us heartache. And the psalmist says, there we sat down crying. Um, Memory causes us to wonder, who's responsible here? And 
The psalmist says our tormentors asked us to sing songs of Zion. And then anger. How could we possibly sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Remembering former, the former greatness of Jerusalem and the destruction of God's temple by a foreign power, the community adopts the posture of mourning which is sitting. And the taunts of the imperial captors increased their anguish. I mean, they were requesting songs, sort of like a song and dance act would be in that setting, tormented by those who had captured them. I think this psalm stuck in my head because it's close to our own circumstances, I think. It is if we too have been exiled, isn't it? A pandemic that has confined us, isolated, kept us apart. A divided society that has caused us to question who's in charge and who's at fault, pointing fingers at each other. And result in anger that cuts all kind of ways. Anger at others, about masks and vaccines and driving, anger at ourselves. I mean, how many of us during this time of isolation haven't thought, what day is it? And why can't I be better? What's wrong with me? Anger at God. How could God do this to us? How could God make this happen? Why now? Why us? Anger for no other reason than we have lost control over our comfortable lives. And the question bubbles up from the depths of our being. How can we sing God's song in this foreign landscape? How can we sing God's song? Centuries later, the Apostle Paul would write to the church at Thessalonica. He would say, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to tell you more than once, somebody sung that song to me and it's ticked me off. Because... I just don't want to hear it. Don't make like it's just something you do. Now, lest you think things were going swimmingly for Paul and the Thessalonians, think again. Paul was in his earliest part of, of his Christian um, career. This is certainly one of the earliest Christian writings that we have. I mean, this writing appears not many years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Yet already there is concern among the Thessalonians and those who hang with them. And that concern has perplexed the church ever since. How do we understand the fact that Jesus has not returned in glory as soon as we had expected, they ask. We ask. How do we continue to hold out hope for the completion, the wholeness, the shalom of God's realm in heaven and on earth 
How do we who are bound for heaven sing God's song in a foreign landscape? Earlier in his letter, Paul encourages the new Christians to live wakefully, alert for God's salvation might be completed at any time. And I have to remind you here that their understanding of salvation and our understanding of salvation are miles apart. Their understanding of salvation was the inbreaking of God that would bring about God's shalom, the wholeness of creation and God's people. Our understanding of salvation is life after death, the sweet by and by, life with God in eternity, which isn't a bad thing, but it's certainly a different understanding than their understanding. Theirs is more here and now. God is with us. Emmanuel, this is God with us breaking in, and that is our salvation. And we are a part of it. In our reading today, Paul shows the Thessalonians, and so shows us, how we are to live in the meantime. The meantime of waiting for the coming of Jesus. The meantime of waiting for this exile to be over. The meantime between Christ's first advent and Christ's second advent. The time in which we live right now between two worlds, between the almost, but not yet. Paul instructs them and so reminds us that we can and must be at peace with one another if this salvation, this shalom, this wholeness is to come. We can rejoice knowing and trusting the coming presence of God. We have the opportunity to pray And we can give thanks in all circumstances. Oh, not the kind of mamby-pamby give thanks in all circumstances that, you know, your world is falling apart, you're you're hospitalized because of COVID, you're you're struggling because you're separated from your family, and somebody glibly says, give thanks in all circumstances. No. That's not what Paul was about. Paul was about acknowledging the reality living in this in-between time that Jesus has come and we're still in this in-between time of the fulfillment of God's wholeness and shalom. But that's not easy. And yet still Paul implores us to consider rejoicing, praying at all times, giving thanks in all circumstances. And there's nothing easy about any of this. So you and I, like the Thessalonians, live in this liminal space and time. On the threshold of the new thing that God is doing in and through us and among us and beyond us. And Paul reminds even us that there is reason for rejoicing and praying and giving thanks, that we can sing God's song even in a foreign landscape that is alien to us, in this foreign place where we find ourselves. 
the good news of the text for today for those Thessalonians and for us found in are found in the last two verses of our reading this morning. Now may the God of peace cause you to be completely dedicated and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept intact and blameless at our Redeemer Jesus Christ's coming. The one who is calling you is faithful and will do this. Do you hear it? The one who is calling you and is faithful will do this. Keep you whole in body, soul, and spirit. That even in the midst of our suffering, even in the midst of our weeping, judgment, and anger, that Paul's prayer is for our wholeness. And the reminder that the God who is calling us is faithful. The reason for the prayer and the promise is that Jesus Christ is Emmanuel, God with us. This God who comes again and again and again to meet us in our foreign landscape. And God calls us to be awake and alert and ready and perceptive and watching for that inbreaking. And let me tell you today, it landed all over me. The New York Times had an article today on the firsts in 2020. And while some of the firsts certainly were challenging, I want you to listen to the majority of those firsts. The Council of Tioy les Marchands, a village of about 600 residents in France, elected the first openly transgender mayor in this year. Marie Cow ran on a platform that emphasized ecological sustainability. Japanese flying cars went into test flight this year. The tech company Skydive completed the first successful public test of a flying car in Japan. The occupied vehicle named SDO3 circled the Toyota test field for four minutes. And Skydive plans to make the car available to consumers, listen to this, by 2023. Scientists using gene editing tools were able to enter the eyesight of a blind patient in the United States with a new gene editing tool. It was the first time the technology was used inside a human being. And it was a bid to restore that blind patient's vision. So they injected microscopic drops containing the editing tool inside the eye of the patient. Who, ha who had a rare genetic disorder that prevented the body from making the protein necessary to convert light into signals in the brain. And then there are the telescope pictures that detail the surface of the sun. Listen to this. Astronomers released the most detailed pictures of the sun to date, taken by the new Daniel K. Inoue Solar Telescope, the world's largest. The telescope was built in the Hawaiian volcano Haleakala, which appropriately means house of the sun. And then there is black photographer Dario Calnese, who shot 
Vanity Fair's cover, taking photographs of the actor Viola Davis. He is the first black photographer whose work appears on the cover of Vanity Fair. And then there are balloons delivering the internet in Kenya. High-altitude solar-powered balloons were used to deliver internet service to Kenya, a first for Africa. And lastly, um, but certainly not last, but maybe a preeminent position in this list, the Pope says he supports same-sex civil unions. For the first time in his papacy, Pope Francis I indicates support for same-sex civil unions. In an interview for the documentary Francesco, which premiered in October at the Rome Film Festival, Francis spoke about how gay people have the right to be in a family and described them as children of God. He is the first Pope to voice support for civil unions. I don't know about you, but if we stay awake to this kind, these miracles happening all around us, how can we do anything but rejoice? I want to tell you that my, my dad, Lewis Hudson, whom we fondly called Papa Hut, may have been the most joyful person I've ever known. He took this scripture of Paul seriously. He believed in rejoicing. He believed in praying in all circumstances. He believed in, in, in this kind of discipline, giving thanks in all circumstances. But he grew up as a child during the Depression and jumped in with the 82nd Airborne France the night before D-Day. He was part of the Battle of the Bulge and helped liberate people, Jews, from a concentration camp in Germany. He returned and married and raised a family and on and off through his life struggled with his use of alcohol. It wasn't a perfect life, but it was a joyful life. So joyful that even on the day of his dying, he was smiling. So what's our problem, do you think? Diana Butler-Bass reflects on the words of the great 20th century writer Madeline Langle. Lingle identifies the problem in her book, Love's Incarnate Birth. Our problem, she says, is our inability to see what has happened. Our field of vision fixates on what is wrong, the darkness, the evil, the death, and the fear. But Lingle says, observe and contemplate, which is an invitation to view that which is less than obvious, widening our sight toward what is our spiritual peripheral vision. Make real, bring to me the rising sun, the stars, the light, 
love and joy until we behold them, really see them answering their dazzling call. We do not truly understand that the event of heaven come to earth surrounds us even now. Now, say yes. Yes to the invitation of joy to and in the world, even while Caesar is still on the throne, even while death stalks the land. So sing. Sing. Let us sing God's song, even in the midst of this pandemic, in this division, in this isolation, in this struggle. Sing God's song in the midst of this foreign landscape. For behold, look up. Fear not, for God brings you good news of great joy for all people. For unto us a child will be born. Amen.